The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is, Gwend- this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show, The Visual Workplace, Letting the Workplace Speak. And each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, some aspect of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices, through visual mini systems, through visual linkages, through visual maxi systems. How to install the language of our current level of operational excellence, even if we know we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or as we will be. We install that level. We make it concrete. We make it specific through visual devices, through visual mini systems, so that we can literally see how we think. We can see our operational model. And we can predict how that thinking will function because we have captured it. We also use that current level of visual operations to build our next level continuously. And why do we bother? We bother for the enormous bottom line benefits. 15% to 30% increase in productivity, improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time, shrinking costs. That's the the big number one. The other big number one is splendid cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels, not just operators and not just supervisors, but managers and executives in all organizational functions, VPs, engineers, marketing, sales, field reps. This is a language that we're, we're installing, and just as our language unites us, connects us, so language in the workplace that is embedded, visual language, connects and unites us. And we're happy at work. We enjoy ourselves along the way. The enterprise becomes increasingly intelligent, conscious, fluid, maybe even woo-woo self-aware. <laughs> How fun is that? Right? Do you see? We're installing a language and we are designing the workplace to speak to us, to become a partner, our partner in creating great performance, great outputs, whatever the setting. And that includes discrete manufacturing, automotive, hospital, MROs, maintenance, repair and overhaul facilities. That includes depots, 
It includes open pit mines and retail stores and home service organizations. It includes every workplace bar none, just as we use language, every workplace bar none. But this is intentional designed embedded language. So today we have a really great topic. I think you'll find it interesting. I certainly have found it very interesting to attempt to un unnest so that I can speak a little bit uh, coherently, I hope, about it. And that is about the MRO, the maintenance, repair, overhaul, work setting, including military depots. But I have a few announcements before we jump in. So our next live webinar in our summer series is going to be 5S on steroids, one of my favorite topics, on July the 10th. Please register on our website, visualworkplace.com. Bring the team. Bring 3,000 people, if you wish. Just sign up for one, and as many uh, who can come should come. And if you can't make it, look for the rerun. It'll be available or just a few weeks after, maybe a week after the actual um, live webinar. We, we are attempting to make that reasonably priced, affordable, and it will have full navigation. On August the 14th is the last in our summer series, which is a visual conversion case study of Lockheed Martin, the aerospace giant. They did some wonderful work. We worked together when they were challenging for the Joint Strike Fighter, and it was a very heady time, full of visuality. So that was great. Um, let, you can also register for that on our website, visualworkplace.com. I want to also encourage you to become a member. If you join us on the VIP level, it's $89 a month, and that includes the full year of webinars plus lots of other things. So it's a very... Uh, very um, hefty package. You can click on membership and see the giraffes and the Australian prairie dogs on our membership page for the three categories of membership and one of them is free with lots of nice things waiting for you there. I also want to re-alert you to our wonderful e-learning system work that makes sense operator-led visuality. It will be part of our discussion towards the end of the show today as we talk about converting the environment of an um, overhaul and repair environment. How do you do that? And I recommend it without reservation. You get the whole system for a year or you can get individual modules for $89 a month, which I think is just a bargain, just fantastic. And if you don't see what you want or how you want it, please just contact us and we will look to help you. Our phone is 503-233-1784. That's the office. 503-233-1784, and our email, as always, from this show is radio at visualworkplace.com. And I want to uh, very quickly answer several emails that we recently received about whether or not we could come on site. Yes, of course. We do on-site seminars and briefings in workplace visuality and visual leadership clinics on 5S, how to amp the model and how to build on your current platform. We often combine this, these seminars with site assessments, which is always very interesting. And, well, we, we think that we do a pretty darn good job, and we do it happily. So call us again at 503-233-1784 or email us at radio at visualworkplace.com if you want to know more. Let the workplace speak. And our listener call-in line, because today is a call-in show, is 866-472-5790. 
5790. And the gentleman who makes the announcements will repeat that endlessly. So I think you'll, you'll have it close if you want it. Today, we are going to take a close, if not closer, look at a very specialized environment, a kind of outlier in the world of factories and the world of work in the world of manufacturing, an outlier that has a special set of conditions, even constraints, and it, that is the MRO environment, maintenance, repair, overhaul, overhaul and repair. MROs, shorthand, MROs are very common in the aerospace industry. Parker Hannifin has, does an incredible bang-up job. And it is also a core, MROs are also a core element in the military, uh, in the military process, the depots. Some are part and parcel of the, of the defense logistics agencies, the whole thing of materiel. And I will put particular emphasis on the depots today because of their mission, because supporting the war effort creates another layer of constraints in an already very specialized environment, and because they are doing such an incredible job against, let's say, the constraints of the model and also the incredible constraints in uh, war. It is a key the, the depots are key, crucial, pivotal, indispensable, an indispensable link in war and victory in war. The notice we sent out on this show focused on that. I asked, why is it so hard to implement change in military depots? We could just have well have said MROs. Success in that venue, by the way, doesn't just impact the bottom line, but for depots, it impacts our military mission because depots refurbish, upgrade, service, military equipment that just left the field of war and needs to get back there right, right away, reliably and with speed. So depots are the archetype of low-volume, high-complexity work where intricacy floods a very, very large physical workplace. These are large hangar size, triple hangar size, quadruple hangar size environments with many, many details. And it is very hard to find the flow and even harder to amp the flow, to build the flow. So I want us to look at this in detail the low presence, the details themselves, and the low presence of flow. Years and years of efforts and a ton of money has been invested in an attempt to bring lean principles and practices to these settings. Some have succeeded, but few. And the fault, as I see it, if we can even think about this as fault, is not in wanting and seeking an improved outcome, an improved operational system. The fault, in my view is the thinking model that we have applied to create that change. The thought is in the model. And like all thinking model models, the model, the profile of change, dictates the content and the sequence of that change and also what we expect as an outcome. You know, I want to say something about this, and for those of you who have been following my shows, we're now in our 
fourth year, about to begin our fifth year. This is the work that we're doing in helping our own companies or helping other companies improve their operational systems is a work of thought. It is a thinking model. It used to be we had no models at all. We just did work. We just did work. We made more. We sold more. It broke. We made more. We sold more. This was the 40s. It certainly was. I was just watching the show on the Roosevelt's with such a, 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 a compelling description of the launch of World War II in America and the war machine, which is, was our manufacturing, our manufacturing base and how people just went in and they did it. A lot of good models came out of that, that including TWI, Training Within Industry. But beyond that, it was make more, make more, make more, make more, because the war itself was gobbling up everything everything. And we supplied the allies, not just ourselves. We were the war machine. But there wasn't really a model for operations. There was the best we understood at the time. We continued in the 1950s using this incredible infrastructure that was built during the war to create ourselves as the world leader of all things that were consumable. But then Toyota happened. And may I say also, Norman Bodek happened. Norman Bodek, my boss in the 1980s. And I'll tell you more about that in a moment when we get back from our break. I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 
1-800-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn for the second part of our show today at the Visual Workplace. Just before the break, we were talking, I was talking about the importance of models, the importance of thinking through the components of what is about to happen, what we want to have happen, how we want it to happen, when, in advance, creating a model, a profile, a shape. And it used to be we had no models and then we just did work and then Toyota came along. Toyota represented the watershed, the departure, not a departure, but the departure because it, the Toyota company, was built on a knowable model work by design, a production system, where before there was nothing. There was not even the notion that a production system was needed. It was a blank page. This was a shift in paradigm, major, major. And the second watershed moment was Norman Bodek, my, my old boss, wonderful Norman Bodek. Because he collected the books on that model, he brought them back by the suitcase full from Japan and caused them to be published. I was, I think, the 10th member of his team. He was the light bringer. Toyota was the light. Norman released this new knowledge about Toyota and the know-how into the mind of manufacturing, our mind, into the mind of work. I was a minion of that. My job was to turn those books, that knowledge and know-how into learning pathways, into courses, curricula, training and implementation models. And I did. And it was a glory. What a team. And when Womack and Jones published their take on Toyota and on the war on on waste, they provided us with their model. And many, many other books preceded that and followed. Many takes on the core Toyota model. The problem, as many of you know, was that that model was built on the parameters of the automotive industry, where there were certain assumptions or premises of operation that simply don't exist in MROs and depots. The model didn't fit, but there wasn't any specified models for the MROs or the depots, and so... The folks who were holding the knowledge at the time would go in there into these venues and they would apply the Toyota model. And I want to walk through what the basic differentiator is in a moment. It's probably the most important thing that I want to contribute. They attempted to apply it to the depots. And it wasn't that their efforts weren't valiant and that they, and it wasn't that they did not achieve some result. They moved the dial. They did. And God bless them for their effort, for their goodwill, for their hard work. But the thinking model didn't fit. The Toyota model, which has oh, influenced, I was about to say contaminated, but it's such a positive condition that that's the wrong word but it was like a contagion but a very positive contagion it was a new paradigm of thinking the the Toyota model is time-based 
And even though Womack and Jones don't say so specifically, if you read between the lines, they are also purporting a time-based model. They tried to make it universal, but that basic ingredient, that condition is so embedded that no one noticed it at the time. I just wrote a short article on this in our newsletter. And the week before also and the week before that in my little series on Lean Alone is Not Enough. You can get that on our website, um, the archive copies. It's an interesting discussion. The model, the Toyota model and that which came from it, all the derivatives, were time-based. And if there is one quantum that is hard to recognize, let alone organize, in the depot setting, it is time. And that is one of my main points. The advanced organizer of the model of thinking to create change was not, did not fit the depot environment. I want to say as a footnote so you know. MROs that are privately held, like Parker Hannafin, where you have discrete batches of overhaul and repair, be it engines, ignition systems, or whatever, have made an art form out of applying JIT Lean to their environment. Parker Hannafin and Irvine, we awarded them the Visual Workplace Prize of the Year a few years ago, is so extraordinary in marrying the overhaul activity, overhaul and repair activity with time. There is not just a pull system there, there is tact. There is pull at a pace and at a design pace. It's glorious. But we, when we bring it into the depot, there are so many other factors afoot. It is simply not the same work environment and therefore the model doesn't fit. I want to share several points that to begin to make a distinction uh, between the characteristics of lean and may I say the characteristics of MRO or overhaul and repair. Let me just say the characteristics of a depot. So you know that we're on the struggle side of the model. I believe there is a solution and a powerful one and I'll just let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> it won't come as any surprise when I say visuality is the, is the solution. But I want to build a case so you see why. So I'm not just tooting a horn that you have heard me toot before. But I want to work, walk through as much detail as I can in this show. And if we have substantively more to cover, we'll continue the conversation next week. I also want to tell you this is a call-in show, so pick up the phone at any point and let's talk. Uh, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. So I am doing this, I'm going to make a differentiation based on my past almost 35 years, yeah, almost 35 years of study and research and involvement and implementations in the field of operational improvement, operational excellence. I'm going to, you know, make a tidy little list. Characteristic of lean. Time is the lever. In lean, time is the lever. It's corollary is speed, but I think you're much safer and much, it's much more elegant to use time as the lever. Pull is the outcome and the landscape is the critical path. Broad strokes, that's lean. 
I did not mention standard work for a reason, which I think I'll be able to get to. Uh, I, it is embedded in my discussion, but a little bit, bit later on. So time is the lever, pull is the outcome, and the critical path is the landscape. You have to find it. You have to find the critical path and define it. On the depot side, time is extraordinarily difficult to identify. Flow is the signal of victory. Pull exists only in sub-processes, and I will tell you, there are lean victories that can and have been achieved in, in this, on the sub-process level. Very excellent, excellent work in many, many depots. Congratulations. But information is the main operational landscape, not the critical path. Information. Information is the main operational condition. And so we are brought to visuality, not to lean as the advanced organizer, to tell merely by looking and to tell the difference merely by looking, to tell mm-hmm. Visual, visually. There are two other characteristics that are worth mentioning in the depot environment that are uh, distinctive and factors. One is the nature of the workforce. It's a veteran, skilled, and union-based workforce. I say, hooray. And the nature of oversight and decision-making, the executive function, because it has many layers of governmental issues, compliance, requirements, documentation, etc. I understand these are challenges, but they are not defeats. So just to mark the place that we're at now, my basic premise is the reason that the depots have not felt the victory that they long for in the transformational process that they've been engaged in for for 10 years or so is because in embracing lean as the organizer and the protocol of change, the premises within the model conflict with the characteristics of the depot environment. It doesn't align. It doesn't fit. And the second part of the premise is begin with visuality, implement embedded information, and you will achieve flow. When you want pull, which is flow to the pace of time, you can bring lean in. But in order to prepare for that, for a more refined system, you can't begin with lean. It can't cut the mustard. It isn't equipped to deal with the flood of detail and the irregularity in the batching and the delivery in the component parts. And I'll go into that after the next break, but let me just say a few more things. Lean is not the favorite choice as the lead organizer for depot implementations because time does not fit into the main equation of change in depot. Information takes the lean, takes the lead, Therefore, visuality is the prime mechanism in these environments. Information that is embedded. This is the domain, the domain of visuality. It is its purpose. It is its glory. And so we have to make this distinction 
in order to make the change. And you have heard me get on my soapbox again and again about Borg thinking, about how marketing eats our brain. And just because it is sold on the golf course doesn't mean it is the right model for operational improvement just because it has a lot of marketing behind it. And I agree with you. It is very difficult to discern the difference, to discern, if you will, what the right choice is. In many cases, we only learn what the wrong choice was when we make it. And we try to make it go, and we fail. And what I want to say to you is, your failures are teaching opportunities. Your failures have to be turned into gold by saying, this is where our thinking is wrong. Not this is where the supplier is wrong, because ultimately it was your choice. But this is where our thinking was fuzzy. We didn't realize certain things, but we know them now. We didn't have the knowledge before, but we have it now. And so we will think differently and therefore choose differently, do differently, and get different results. I want you to be encouraged, if I can say so, by any sense of failure or a hiccup. Be encouraged. It's never too late. It's, it's always, we can always move forward. So we're going into our second break. I'll give you more, uh, get into the details of the model when we get back. See you in a moment. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, 
Back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. You're at the Visual Workplace, Let the Workplace Speak, and we are moving into our third segment of today's show where we are looking at the challenges and the possibilities around converting into operational improvement the overhaul and repair venue or setting or facility or factory work. And just before the break, I was stating, starting with lean, whether you start on a, especially if you want to start on the macro value stream, ironically is a rabbit hole. The macro is ironically the bigger rabbit hole. It is impossible to see the stream and impossible to configure it as a start point. I'm not saying later on. And I want to say to you, and if I if there is enough left over today, maybe next week we'll go into the protocols of change, the template or the beginning of a template that can guide you and answer, ask and answer the right questions. And in a nutshell, in this case, it is how does improvement happen in this venue, whatever your this is. And right now we're talking about depots and MROs. What are the options for beginning the journey so it can continue? Because we know it is the start that stops us. And many very, very well-meaning, hard-working depot teams, especially the, the continuous improvement teams, have begun the journey but are looking for how to continue it. How do we build on the wins that we did have that we do have now and how do we actually make an impact that hits that delivery time which is the currency in a depot environment the cost well that's our taxpayer dollar but the delivery time is protecting our men and women in the in the forces and giving them a fighting chance this is what's at stake and this is what fires the hearts of every employee and of every citizen. I'm a citizen too. I feel it. I want it to be um, better. How do we... So the beginning of the journey is... The, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So that choice is a telling one. How do we begin the journey so we can continue? This is a consultant's question. And those who approach you should be able to show you the rollout, not just the process, but the build, the amplification, and maybe even the acceleration of the change. Implementing any change in overall and repair is notoriously hard with good reason. Let's just take a look. First of all, the work is overhaul and repair. You aren't making something, you're remaking it. You're remaking it, and the stuff that you're working with has been used already and worn or maybe even broken. So the first thing you have to do is not put it together, but take it apart. Disassemble it, whether it's a, a, a tank or a broadcast unit. You separate the components from each other. You examine the individual condition, and before, almost, before you can do anything, you have to clean it. Clean it and clean it well enough. And it might 
then need to be refurbished or repaired because it's worn or wobbly out of spec. Or if they are beyond repair, these parts need to be replaced. And bingo, you become a prisoner of your supply chain. But uh, the process is already in process. You have disassembled an assembly, and your job now is to reassemble it. And if you work in assembly plants, you know the power of one part that is missing. It stops everything. So you become a prisoner to your supply chain. Replacing it means reordering it, drawing it from stock, if it is widely understood that this this particular category of part will almost always need to be replaced, and, and this is often the case. The complexity of this type of process is, is almost impossible to imagine managing, and yet the depots do manage this, but they pay the price of time because the information is missing. On top of that, it is an environment that is a kind of, is a maybe environment. Maybe is the word of governance everywhere. Maybe we'll have this part. Maybe this will work. Maybe this unit will test out right. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You can find everything, but you cannot be prepared for that everything when that everything could be anything. This is just the nature of the universe. You can't keep your fingers on all five fleas. And again, because we're reassembling that which we're disassembling, that means things stop. And this happens repeatedly. And you know, once all the components and subcomponents are reinstated and reassembled or replaced, you got to paint the darn thing. And not just one, but once but many times because instruments of war are now designed for stealth, non-reflective coatings. And by the way, this requires meticulous masking as one of the interim steps. And I could go on and on and cover you with more what-ifs and exceptions and detours. Is it enough to state? Is it enough to state they are myriad? They are legend because they are. So much so that the possible combinations of complexities are infinite. It doesn't seem so. It is so. <laughs> and that's the problem. Here's the problem. You have no stability in the work content. You may have standard work and God bless standard work. It is an indispensable component. But don't think that standard work in an MRO environment will get you pulled. It may not doesn't get you flow either. I'm sorry to be so black and white. Of course, all of this is just Gwendolyn's opinion, my observations, based on what I know and don't know. But really, hugely based on what I don't know. But if you're not familiar with the MRO, the maintenance, repair, and overhaul, especially repair and overhaul work environment, let's go in reverse. Think about manufacturing, fabrication, and the assembly of parts. Think about the V, the feeder pattern, a V. Just imagine a V. And on the left leg of the V, parts flow into the nexus, the angle, the bottom of the V. And wait for the parts to flow in down the right leg of the V, and then at the bottom of the V, we assemble. 
That's the feeder line in its simplest form. In overhaul and repair, the feeder line is the opposite. The nexus is the disassembly of parts, and the parts go out in all directions. And then they are supposed to come back again. When they go out, the pattern is lost. It's, the pattern is lost. Each, the hope of a pattern is lost. There is no pattern, so there is no predictability. What are the implications of this? Well, first of all, you can't use time as a, as a metric. You can't use time as a lever. Lean will be difficult, if not impossible, to implement without time as the framework. And I'm not talking about the alphabet soup that lean has become, where we put all the tools and thinking of continuous improvement into a bucket and we call it lean. I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about the predetermined, preset engineering change that creates, that finds and, finds and defines the critical path and creates pull. Those two components. It's a huge enough contribution without tacking everything else on it. This is not meant to be critical, but it is very important in order to diagnose uh, a failure or, or an incomplete uh, accomplishment to be very clean about your nomenclature, about your definitions. You've heard me say this many, many times, especially if you're a continuous improvement specialist or if you're a lean coach or a visual coach. You have to use clean, carefully carved, carefully defined language, definitions. Words are everything in a high-functioning improvement environment, in a high-functioning work environment. Mm -hmm. So you have to find your way by being very clear. So when I talk about applying lean to the depot environment, I actually am talking about a hypothetical possibility. I have seen it achieved on the sub-process level, but never enough to change the face of the depot itself on the macro environment. I've never seen it successfully rolled up. Yeah? The possibility of success through lean is challenging to say the least because I want to say it once more and, and I want to build now to the transition of visual. Lean is first and foremost about time within the context of space. Lean is first and foremost about time within the context of space. The outcome you want is a four-letter word. It's called P-U-L-L, pull. Lean is a predetermined, preset engineering application that takes distance and therefore time out of work content. But I could say that takes time and therefore distance out of work content. Again, we are not just improving. It's a very designed improvement along the nexus of time spent, duration, and time traveled. I beg your pardon, distance traveled, length. Time spent, duration, distance traveled, length. So I believe that we're going to be able to get the piece on visual in before the end of the show. Please come right back. I'll be here waiting 
for you. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. We're in our third, our fourth segment of today's show at the Visual Workplace, Let the Workplace Speak. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm kind of going to motor mouth this last part and see if I can do a nice um, uh, uh, shift. So there are three things that defeat lean in the MRO environment. You can't use time as a lever because you cannot pace it. There are too many exceptions. You cannot even pitch it. The clock is running and keeps running through all the exceptions that are part and parcel of MRO depot. As soon as these exceptions grow even a little, you leave the kingdom of lean. These exceptions are often tied to your suppliers, internal and external. You are out of control. And if you have nowhere to go, if you have no other paradigm or protocol of change to turn to, you will fall back on continuous improvement and call it lean. You know, it's good. You're still improving. It's rational. It's coherent. But it's not the same as a transformation. It is on an opportunistic level, and it is also of a fairly narrow scope. It is very hard to create improvement linkages without a thinking model. What tends to happen instead, and I know you've seen that, is the improvement tends to pool, P-O-O-L, to pool on the same level. 
it's very hard to make a jump up into the beginning of a macro, into, may I say, the beginning of a business impact. So you'll have pockets of excellence, but you'll have no change in the bottom line, and the bottom line in a military depot is delivery, delivery time. Hmm? With lean, there's no gas in that tank. You have to look for another form of locomotion. Gravity feed, perhaps, or a float down a nearby river. But gas will not fuel your progress. Lean will not fuel your progress. It is a second step, not a first step. No internal combustion is possible. So where am I going? Well, pull requires a vacuum, the consumption of material makes room for the arrival of more parts, the Kanban square is replenished. That's not the model. And so I say, what is the transformational, I ask, what is the transformational protocol? Good question. You have every right to ask. And of course, my answer is visuality. Visuality. Because in the absence of the lever called time, you then go to the lever, the lever called space, the physical workplace, the floor. And the protocol that addresses space and the physical layout is visuality. It's visuality. The protocol is visual-based. It's information-based. It is not pull-based. And I don't want to get deflected by the principle of standard work. Standard work helps both, but standard work is a component of the solution. It is not a strategy. Standardization is not an improvement strategy. It is a feeder line. We'll go into that. I think we have some other times, some other time. It is of the utmost importance that we use our terms carefully. That we group similar things together. But not just because they're similar, but because they fit. If we make the category too wide, everything fits into it. Bananas, apples, oranges, blueberries. Ah, fruit. I got it. That's fruit. That's a big bucket. We can even make it bigger by adding carrots and potatoes and onions and broccoli and call them inclusively things that grow. Well, why not then add coconuts and kitty cats? They also grow, but to what end? Your change begins with a thinking model, and you need to check out that model and make sure it accommodates the conditions of the environment that needs to change. So we're seeking to solve the puzzle. How do we bring systematic improvement to the MRO environment where time is not a level lever? What is the protocol? What is the spine of that protocol, the central organizing principle? And in the depot environment, I say it's visual. Visuality contains the strength of logic to play out systematic improvement and in, in an environment of such high complexity that it is tantamount to an un, unpredictable random environment where exception rules. Time is a phantom anchor point. It is really non-existent. Where exceptions rule, time is a phantom anchor point. 
That is my contention, my argument, my assessment. That is my platform of logic. In approaching transformation in the depot environment, the strategy of choice, in my view, in Gwenny's view, is workplace visuality. The visual workplace is by definition, at least as I have codified it over the years, a workplace about embedded information, information that is embedded physically into the living landscape of work through visual physical devices. When time cannot be used as a lever, the floor must be. The location must be, the place, the physical space itself. I have been to many, many depots, toured them, assessed them in my capacity as a Shingo examiner on a couple of occasions. Of course I've been impressed, and of course I love the people, and of course I love the mission. And of course I've seen many attempts at implementing lean. On occasion I've seen remarkable improvement, pockets of excellence, but not as a result of lean not because the principles and practices of lean were applied. When designing a plan for systematic improvement, systematic transformation, in transformation that grows because of the design of improvement, when we're doing that in a depot environment, the desired outcome is identified by developing implementation protocols. You'll have one protocol for information. You'll have an, and that is called visuality. You'll have another protocol that builds in time, embeds time. That's your lean protocol. And you'll have one that designs, designates culture or values, three distinct protocols. And their sequence, which comes first, well, that one is easy. Visual comes first, hand in hand with values, and much later, lean pulls up the rear. Culture is the third characteristic in a depot environment. It is of equal power to time and space, the workforce, skilled, committed, veteran, and unionized. And I will tell you, I have never worked in a more fertile rambunctious and creatively rich environment than I have with union employees. It is not a barrier. It is a glory. Visuality is the what. And if you know my work, you know that visuality is implemented eye-driven. And when we do that, the workforce aligns because we see them for their eye. And they bring their eye to the creativity that's needed to transform their workplace. I have not finished the model. I have about another chunk of chunk. I might pick it up next week. Let's see if you send in any emails and ask me to, or if I and or if I feel unsatisfied with the completion of this. Visuality is it. I think I'm going to have to talk a little bit about it next week, and I'll join it with project-based visuality, which was one of the promises in this week as well. So I had a wonderful time with you today. I hope this has been useful. I really, really do. That is my intention. Support our men and women in the field, in the field of war, and at the depots. They are doing a marvelous job, and they, they deserve our thanks. Thank you, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth and the CI specialists who support them. Hooray! I'm signing off. I'll see you next week. Bye. 
appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.